You've heard Rex Barney give that fan a contract. Now it's time to give that fan a podcast. Dive into some Orioles baseball talk with your host, Ryan Blake. Welcome back to Give That Fan a Podcast. This is episode number 12. I'm your host, Ryan Blake. I got some great feedback on last week's interview with Keith Law. Uh, I very much appreciate that. Those of you who listened, it was a lot of fun to talk with him, as I mentioned. Uh, This week, we've got another great interview for you. It's Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood. So if the conversation with Keith last week got you a little down on the Orioles farm, hopefully this one will bring you right back up. That's my goal. I really enjoyed chatting with Matt. Uh, he's He's been in the uh, Orioles system since uh, 2019, the end of the season he was hired, and uh, he's he's done some great things in his, his couple of years, and uh, pretty soon we'll have some real live minor league game action for him, and I'm, I'm excited for that, I'm sure he is too, and we'll finally start to see some of those prospects put in some work in games against other teams for once. Uh, pitchers and catchers have reported to spring training, uh, we've got pictures of Dean Kramer's hair all over the timeline, I could not be happier about that. Games start uh, in just a few days, actually. The 28th, I guess, is Sunday, and we play the Pirates. Uh, and uh, hopefully we'll get to catch that on TV somewhere. I'm not really sure what the plan is for that, but but I'm sure we will see. Um, as for me, I'm recording this intro once again in the freezing cold basement of my Airbnb. Uh, and until I can figure out my permanent living situation up here in Allentown, this is probably where I'll be. So these intros will be pretty short. Because, again, it's cold. I've been down here for five minutes, and I'm already starting to lose feeling in my toes. But it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for you guys. So I hope I hope you all appreciate that. Uh, but in all honesty, I, I, I'm probably going to start recording these at work. I chatted with Keith Law and Matt um, in the, the break room. Not the break room. The uh, conference room at my new job during lunch. And, and sacrificed my lunch hour to... Uh, to get these interviews done, so I'll probably just have to record the uh, intros there. I'm not sure why I don't do that in the first place, but I should just knock it out when I record the interview. Wouldn't that be smart, Ryan? Anyway, let's go ahead and dive into the interview. Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood. I hope you all enjoy. I am very excited to introduce my next guest. Joining me on the podcast today is uh, one of the people responsible for what has been an exciting turnaround for the Orioles in the last couple of years in terms of their farm and development. Uh, Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood. Matt, thanks for taking the time to be with me. Hey, thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, you bet. I'm excited. So uh, I'll start with a pretty pretty basic uh, introductory question. Uh, now, you got your start in baseball at the University of North Carolina. You were a student assistant to the coaching staff uh, for their baseball team. Uh, that same summer, you were an intern for USA Baseball. Uh, and then one of your big roles was an area scout for the Cardinals uh, for about seven years um, how have the how have those roles prepared you for uh, the spot you're in today? Well, it's, I kind of see my my uh, career as just a progressive process. You know, a little picking up little things here and there, uh, experience, uh, networking, learning, just all along the way. You know, I, I would say the internships that I did in school, as well as working, you know, for the the baseball team there at North Carolina. Uh, really just kind of set me up uh, for being 
able to accept a job like they like the area scout job uh, with uh, with the Cardinals. But um, you know, and then from there, learning scouting and how that process works, you know, is so valuable. Having that foundation is so valuable in this sport. And so I was just very fortunate to yeah be able to spend seven years with them, uh, scouting amateur players and. Um, and I think it just serves me every day in the role that I have now. Yeah, and that kind of ties into a, a listener question that I had. And, and I'm curious myself from a scouting perspective, uh, based on that experience you had with the Cardinals and, and other scouting roles that you've had, uh, what, what kind of input do you have uh, with the Orioles scouting department? And how much of a team's draft philosophy is influenced by, you know, the kind of player that might fit the developmental system that they're entering? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I have a whole lot of, of uh, impact on the draft. I mean, I, I like to be involved and to listen and to hear, but those guys are working on it year-round, and uh, they have a, a pretty uh, pretty well-thought-out system that they use. Uh, you know, I, I may be asked a question or two, but, but really I'm there to learn from them so that whenever uh, the players are drafted, uh, you know, I'll have a better feel for who they are and how we can best serve them, you know, in the, on the player development side. Yeah, no doubt. So um, one thing I really wanted to ask was, uh, so when Sig Mydell was hired in 2018, Mydell and Elias were hired around the same time. And uh, at FanFest that year, a fan asked him, uh, how would he help the Orioles get ahead of the curve in terms of analytics, player development, and the like? Um, you, of course, were hired uh, a year later. And when, when Sig answered that question at FanFest, he said, well, before we try to get ahead of the curve we have to catch up with the rest of the league uh so my question for you is uh when you were hired where do you think the Orioles stood at that point in comparison to the rest of the league and uh and where do you think they stand now in terms of analytics and player development and all the things that the Orioles seem to neglect for so many years well I, I really don't know like where they stood I you know when I came in it was a little bit of a clean slate to be honest you know I think a, a lot of uh, things had changed and, and there was a lot of positions to be hired. Uh, so to speculate on where they were in the industry, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I think people that have been around longer would have a better feel. I, I'd say where we are now is, is we have created a, uh, a staff that's all on the same page. Uh, that's, that's very um, motivated, you know, to provide players with a, a world-class uh, player development experience. And, uh, you know, I, I think that now this group is providing that. And so wherever that would put us, you know, in the industry is great. I, I think we're more interested in, in our own process than in comparing ourselves to, to the rest of the league. But you know, we're, we're excited about the group of people we have and the things that we're doing. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll get a chance to, uh, to see some of it in action on the field this year. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's an exciting answer for, for Oriole fans to hear. You know, like I said, there we've we felt very much behind the curve for, for many years. And now it finally feels like we have reason to believe that that things are turning a corner. And, and so that's certainly exciting. Uh, now, you've mentioned in the past uh, you've had a pretty longstanding relationship with SIG. And um, I'm just curious how he and now Mike Elias and the rest of your colleagues uh, have influenced your body of work since you came over from Texas. Well, yeah, we've known each other. Mike Sig and I have known each other uh, going on uh, 12, 11, 12 years now, you know, since I was, so we were the Cardinals together back in 2009. Uh, so, you know, I've just had a long standing relationship with, with them, especially Sig, and a conversation that 
uh, has gone back and forth for, for all those years. And I've learned a lot from him. You know, it's been nice to be able to uh, ask questions, bounce ideas, uh, argue and, and see his, his development too, you know, over, over all those years. And so I, I'd say that the number one thing that comes with, with us working together is that we're all on the same page and we all are comfortable talking to each other about our ideas and our thoughts and our questions and we're comfortable critiquing each other and and that goes a long ways towards towards progress you know there's a lot of psychological safety there and and so that would be first and foremost and then and then just really you know sig in mike's experience like it's you know especially on the, the on the player acquisition side and then and then what they got in houston on the player um development side you know it's it's really exceptional and so just to be able to have that resource available is a competitive advantage all by itself so those two things combined is is really um what has set us up for success good good now i have to divert from my questions real quick i just noticed the photo behind you and i'm I'm only using the audio for this podcast so the the listeners won't really get what I'm, i'm asking you here but that photo behind you is that the the duffy uh, all the names of the players who have played at Camden Yards. Yeah, it is. It was a Christmas present from uh, my uh, my wife's brother's wife, whatever that is, and family. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, got it framed here locally at the at the framing uh, warehouse downtown, or, or actually in in Fells Point, and uh, put it on the wall. And I love it. It's it's a solid piece. I got that this year from uh, from my girlfriend's parents. It's I love it. It's a, it's a cool piece. Uh, so I, w- I want to go ahead and dive into kind of the meat and potatoes of of player development. And um, my my first question uh, is, what are some of the technologies that the Orioles have access to that have assisted you in your job, and um, and and kind of helped you know bring every bring the players together and and help them learn from these kind of technologies, whether it's Repsoto or or Edgetron, whatever it may be. What are, what are some of the ones that, uh, that you guys use? Yeah. I mean, we're we're using what, you know, probably most organizations are using. Uh, I think, uh, you know, obviously TrackMan, uh, we do use Repsoto more on the hitting side than on the pitching side. Uh, We use Edgetronic cameras. We use blast motion for the bat sensors to see how the bat's moving in space. Uh, and then we, we have uh, K-Motion that we use. Uh, we also use a uh, slow motion um, biomechanics lab that uh, gives us, you know, our, our pitchers biomechanics. And, and that's, that's been very helpful. Uh, so, you know, we, we're, we're kind of invested in all those areas, I would say, um, just like most. Uh, the key, though, is how do you use the information most um, efficiently and pragmatically? And, and I think, you know, one of our secret weapons is SIG, and, and he helps us be able to um, use these things in a way that, that is most productive. Yeah. Now, in, in terms of pitchers specifically, um, and, and this is just a, a question that I'm, I'm personally curious about, um, how much do you value uh, a pitcher's ability to spin a ball? How much do you do you value spin rate compared to, you know, some of the other analytics that make pitchers better? Well, I, I think spin rate's an easy um, um, characteristic to understand. And so it's one that a lot of people latch onto. Uh, but 
what makes a good pitch, there's a lot of characteristics that go into that, right? Yeah, and so, yeah. and, and they, they don't, they don't all, they don't all operate independently, right? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're all, they're all very much um, dependent on each other. So to just say he's got great spin rate is not enough uh, to tell you what you need to know. Right. So, it's, it's all about the full scope. It is the full scope. So, so I, I, I yeah, we, we like spin rate, but there has to be other things too. Or in, in, so, so I guess what I'm saying is, is it that one thing is not going to be all that we're looking for. Right. Now, uh, a couple recent signings by the Orioles, uh, two pitchers who in the past have performed uh, at an extremely high level, both of whom have been uh, top 10 Cy Young finishers, if not the, the champion, um, Felix Hernandez and Matt Harvey. Uh, what role do you expect those two guys to play in the development of some of the younger pitchers that are, are breaking their way into the majors? Well, I mean, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's, it's <laughs> exciting. It's exciting that they're, they're both, uh, you know, here uh, with us. And, uh, you know, obviously I think everyone is, is uh, hoping for the best, but, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of different ways that it could go and we'll have to wait and find out. But, but in terms of, of their, their mentoring of, of the younger players, you know, these, these guys have been around a while and uh, you know, could possibly provide some, some either leadership or, or work ethic type of um, things. So, yeah, I mean, having them around will be great, I, I believe. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully something good turns out of it. I hope so. I mean, Felix is one of my personal favorite pitchers watching growing up. He's uh, it's exciting to have him on our side. I'll be, I'll be first in line to buy his Jersey if it comes out. <laughs> um, and so that kind of, the, the mentorship of, of these veterans kind of leads me into my next question. You've been very vocal about the three pillars of player development, that the Orioles stand by uh, humility, growth mindset, and collaboration. Um, what is it about those three uh, values, I guess, those three pillars that, um, that are, are so important in a sense? Yeah. Well, it's just about our culture and, and what, you know, we want to hold ourselves accountable to as a group. You know, we, we feel like if, if every day we're, we're bringing those three characteristics to, to our, to each other, you know, and holding ourselves accountable to that, then, then we're all, we're all going to work better together. We're all going to be uh, more fulfilled. We're going to be more productive. We're going to provide the players with a, a, a more consistent message, which is just absolutely crucial. You know, we're, we're going to be learning all the time and, and just getting better. So uh, those, are the, those are just the things that we as a group, uh, like I said, hold ourselves accountable to. And, and that's really just what our culture is going to be about. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd, I'd say those are, are certainly important. Now, uh, I have a feeling I, I already kind of know your answer to this next question um but you you were asked on a, a previous podcast that i listened to that uh you're not really concerned with uh how other publications rank the orioles farm that kind of stuff doesn't get to you that's more for for mike and sig and those guys to worry about um but from a player development standpoint does it bother you at all does it motivate you when you see something like for example keith law ranking the orioles farm 18th in baseball when you know across the sport they're pretty much consensus top 10 uh does that impact you in, in any sense no not really I mean Keith's got his uh people that he talks to and, and he does his research you know I, I don't think that he's got any sort of vendetta or bias against the Orioles I mean he's trying to 
rank 30 clubs and, and do his job. And that's where, that's where we, we netted out based on who he talked to and in his, his research. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get worried about, about that. I, I, I think that um, predicting and, and, and evaluating is a difficult, a difficult job. And, you know, we're, we're more worried about developing our players and, and, and hopefully, you know, getting them to be productive major leaguers. And, you know, whether we're ranked 18th or eighth by two different publications really doesn't, doesn't matter to me, just to be honest. But yes. I mean, it's exciting. It's exciting to see that, that some publications are uh, giving credit, you know, to, to the, to the organization for improving the farm system, but, you know, we still got a lot of work to do and, and we didn't get to play any games this year, you know? So uh, I, I think for us and our staff and, and, and everyone, you know, we're highly motivated, um, you know, just to get better, not necessarily to, to get Keith Law to rank us higher. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's about the answer I expected. It's a good one for sure. Um, now, and, and that actually what, what you just said about, you know, not being able to, to have minor league games this last year leads into my next question. Um, the, the difficulties of working amidst the, the pandemic that has been going on with no minor league season, uh, all those difficulties have been pretty well documented. You know, players don't get to face other teams. Uh, it's, you know, there's less hands-on things you can do. A lot of players are, are working out uh, on their own remotely. Um, so I, I don't want to ask you about that because I already know what your answer would be. Uh, but what do you anticipate will be difficult about returning to normalcy? Um, obviously, there's, you know, a certain comfort in knowing that, you know, obviously things aren't completely back to normal yet and, and who knows how long that'll take, but there's a comfort in knowing that, that we'll be able to return to some semblance of normalcy. Uh, what do you, what do you expect to be difficult about transitioning back from what this past season was? Uh, now you, in, in your position, you haven't even had a minor league game under your belt with the Orioles. I mean, you were hired in, in 2019 at the end of the season and the 2020 minor league season didn't happen. So uh, what, what, what do you think will be difficult about, about returning to baseball in 2021? Mm. Well, I, I think that we're all excited for that to happen, you know, and, and so whatever difficulties there are, I think we won't notice too many of them. I, I'd say really, though, the thing that we're going to have to, and I think all across baseball we're going to have to be cognizant of, is workload management and injury prevention. Uh, you know, because I, I think that that will be something that if it's not um, taken into account, you know, the fact that players didn't play a full season last year uh, could lead to more injuries this year if you're not careful. So uh, I would say that would probably be my my number one difficulty when it comes to coming back to normal things aren't going to just be normal because there's a workload issue there that we have to address. Yeah, for sure. Now um, along the same lines uh, from, from your perspective, and you may not have an answer to this uh, quite yet, but uh, how do you think the Orioles will determine uh, where to place their, their minor leaguers this year? You know, will we see guys like, like Rushman who hasn't played past uh, Del Marva? Will we see him start at Bowie or is he going to start a little further down just to kind of get that game experience in? What do you, what do you expect? How do you expect that all to go down? Yeah. I mean, we, we typically rely on, um, a combination of, of what their age is, what their experience is, and what their performance has been. And, and we try and place them appropriately. You know, we, we like to challenge our, 
our prospects. We want them to be uh, a little bit uncomfortable and um, having having to prove that they you know belong at, at that level. And then once they once they've shown that, then then move them up to to challenge them again. So you know th that's the mentality that I think um, we 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 all believe in, and and that's what we'll execute. Cool. Now, a couple specific players I wanted to get into. Uh, the first being Heston Kierstad, the Orioles' uh, 2020 uh, second overall pick. Uh, he was a notable absence from the alternate site in the Instructional League. Uh, Mike Elias mentioned this past week that he was dealing with a bout of uh, myocard myocarditis, I believe, which uh, you don't have to answer this, but we can assume that that's uh, related to COVID in a way, um, but that he will be part of camp this spring. Um, so how do you think that 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 will impact his development and what can we expect uh, to see from him this year? And I'm, I'm sure workload is, is, is going to be an issue as well. Yeah. The, the ramp up phase for him will, will be very, uh, will be very diligent. We will be very diligent about, um, but you know, I, I wouldn't, I, I'm not too concerned about his developmental curve. You know, I, I, I think it's normal for, for many players to really not get a whole lot of, development time after they're drafted in that in that year right. you know and, and so yeah it's unfortunate we would have loved to have, have been able to, to work with him more but it's not the end of the world and and he's a great kid and he's all he's already highly accomplished so you know I, I don't expect him to to really miss you know a beat you know honestly I haven't seen him play in person I haven't met him in person yet so uh, you know, so there's still a lot of, of learning to go between between us and and and, and everything. So at, at this point, I'm I'm just most concerned about uh, on ramping him appropriately uh, and keep you know building him up and keeping him healthy and you know letting him get out there and and, and ultimately you know get to play. Yeah, we're we're certainly all excited to to see him make his debut in, in whatever capacity that might be. Um, another guy I wanted to mention, uh, Kyle Bradish is uh, a guy who was acquired in the Dylan Bundy trade from the Angels, uh, and and he's a name that you've mentioned uh, flies under the radar. Uh, I'm curious, what about Bradish uh, do you really like, and can you throw me some other names of players that you think deserve some more recognition than they might be getting? I just think Bradish has got you know overpowering stuff, and he's a competitor, and he's aggressive, and good athlete. You know, I I, I think he's He's just got the, th the stuff that it takes, you know, to, to be productive at the major league level. Uh, he was impressive at uh, at the alternate side, and um, I, I think we'll we'll see him jump in there. We've got a lot of names, you know, on the pitching side that are that are d d deservedly so, you know, highly ranked prospects, and I think that that he'll find his way, you know, up in that category, you know, at some point as well. Mm -hmm. uh, other names you know, that aren't quite as, as highly recognized, I guess, is what you're asking. Uh, one, one guy that, that I, I really like, love watching play and think that, that he's going to, um, you know, be a great player is uh, Joey Ortiz, shortstop. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's just because of the way he plays the game and his, his versatility and uh, his work ethic, you know, I mean, he's, he's a, uh, he can legitimately play every position on the field, you know, except for maybe catcher and pitcher, but uh, he's a shortstop. He can play in the outfield. Um, he's got great baseball instincts. He's a great base runner. Uh, and, 
and his his uh, his offense is all is just continuing to make strides and improvements. So uh, I'm a big fan of Joey Ortiz, and and I think he's gonna he's gonna make his way you know through the system, and so he's a guy that that uh, our fans should be aware of, and and when they go watch him play, you know I I think they'll see what I'm talking about. He's he's just a fun guy to watch. Yeah, and I think what a lot of fans don't realize is that, you know, independent of, of the kind of tools a player has, their work ethic certainly will, will help them get to that next level. You know, they might not be the most the most skilled athlete, but if they've got that drive and the determination to get there, and, and that's that's one of the pillars, growth mindset. Uh, if, if they've got that, the mindset where they can continue to improve and, and, and you know, it's, it's going to bode well for them in the long term. Sure. Um, and of course, you mentioned the pitching depth. I mean, it's it's great to have guys like Bradish who, like you know, like we said, might not be as highly recognized, but you know, that's part of what what Mike and Sig and and the team have been doing in in acquiring all this depth. And it's it's great to know that even if a few guys don't work out, there there are plenty of other names who who could who could make it to that next level. Now, uh, the last question I want to ask you, and this is just kind of a, a culmination of of everything we've talked about so far. Um, and it's it's more so for the the confidence of the fans. Um, in your opinion, why should Oriole fans have confidence that this farm system has turned a corner? Uh, one thing that I like to say is that, you know, the Orioles in the past have dealt with, you know, the Jake Arrietas and Chris Tillmans and Brian Mattis's and those guys, even the, up to Kevin Gosman, Dylan Bundy, players who we expected to be, um, I don't want to say superstars, but very, very good at the next level who may have not panned out. And the thing that I like to say is when we look at guys like Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall and, and, you know, the guys who are maybe a little further down on prospect rankings, we have a legitimate reason based on the player development staff that we have in place to really think that, that they're going to pan out and they're not going to be a, a repeat of, of Brian Mattis, Chris Tillman, et cetera. Um, so why, why would, why should Oriole fans have confidence that, that this is, is going to be different? Well, I'd answer that by saying we have Mike and Sig, who, you know, have experience with this, a lot of experience in this realm and in acquiring of players and then of developing players. And, you know, we we have developed a system now and we have a lot of depth and it's not going to be reliant upon just one player panning out like it's going to be one after the next after the next and we have a a uh, a coaching staff in the minor leagues who are very humble and all they want to do is find ways to get players better and they want to do that as well as we possibly can and they work really hard together to do that they work with the analysts to do that they work with the players to do that and I think all those things combined uh, lead to a better process. And, and that's ultimately what, what we need is, is a process and not just, you know, to get lucky. And so I, I think that, that would be my answer. Um, but, you know, let's, let's let it play out, you know, and, and I, I think that's, that's ultimately, if you're a fan, I, I would be excited to see, how this plays out. Yeah, well, it's exciting times in Birdland for sure. You know, the major league team might lose 100 games again this year, but the future seems to be bright. And uh, and you all just heard from from one of the, the, the people who's made that possible. 
Director of Player Development, Matt Blood. Thank you so much again for taking the time to, uh, to join me on the podcast. Absolutely. It's great being here. Yes, sir. All right. That was Orioles Director of Player Development, Matt Blood. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation. I personally am very excited to see some of his work really start to pay dividends as we actually get a minor league season this year. Uh, it's it's feels like it's been an eternity since we've had real minor league games, but spring training uh, games are starting this weekend. Minor league, we actually have a season. No Frederick Keys, unfortunately, but uh, we're going to get some action, and I'm very excited for that. Um, next week on the pod, we will have uh, Orioles broadcaster Kevin Brown, and the following week will be former Orioles broadcaster, I hate to say former, Jim Hunter. I'm very excited to chat with both of them. And then uh, I guess we'll see what happens going forward. But uh, I've had a blast doing this so far. Again, I very much appreciate the feedback I got on last week's interview with Keith. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you all enjoy this one just as much, if not more. Like I said at the beginning, if Keith's interview got you down a little bit on the farm, this one should pick you right back up. Uh, Matt is is wonderful at his job. He's got a great staff in place. And like I said, I'm, I'm very, very excited to see some of that work start to pay dividends. So... Uh, so we'll be back with some, some more interviews next week. And uh, thank you, as always, for Derek and Tony at Utah Street Report for hosting the pod. You can follow me on Twitter at RyeGuyBlake, at OriolesFanProbs with a Z, where I was uh, called a white supremacist just a little bit ago for uh, joking that my Orioles not Rushmore would be Cal Ripken Sr., Cal Ripken Jr., Billy Ripken, and Ryan Ripken. Uh, someone said that if I didn't have Frank and Eddie in there, that I might have a white supremacy issue which, I mean, <laughs> that might be one of the funniest tweets I've ever gotten. But nonetheless, you can follow me there if you'd like. Uh, otherwise, I will see you all next week.